time to set foot inside the morgue with your hosts, Lee, Carl, and Rob. Just imagine a world where you will hold your entire future in the palm of your hand, when a tiny glowing crystal will guide you through an existence in which each day is more wonderful than the last, where it will be possible for you to obtain the fulfillment of every fantasy, the satisfaction of every vanity, the absolute attainment of every Hello and welcome to uh, uh, the latest episode of Manchester Movie Mark. Tonight we're going to look at 1976 dystopian thriller Logan's Run, one of my uh, personal faves. Um, what we're going to do before we start, which anyone's listened before, we'll do the usual thing and we'll go around the table, even though we're not sat at a table with each other because of uh, social distancing and the fact we all live miles away from each other. So <laughs> we'll go around the table and we'll find out what we've been watching. Um, so I'll start off with uh, Carl. Do you want to go? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why this week or this last couple of weeks I've not really had many uh, kind of pockets of time. Um, but I have I have been watching um, series three of Cobra Kai. I'm kind of about halfway through that now. That's uh, oh, I finished it. Classic. Is Amazing. it? Oh, don't 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 tell me. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, I'm I'm enjoying that. And the only other thing I watched was um, is a documentary called In My Mind. Uh, which is from 2017. And it's about this um, documentary maker called Chris Rodley, who tried to get an interview with um, Patrick McGowan, the creator of The Prisoner, for um, a Channel 4 documentary. And it's just a documentary that has some of the interview footage in it, and he explains what happened and why it didn't go so well. And they, they actually ended up doing two different interviews because McGowan so disliked the first one after kind of a day's reflection on it. And um, it's just a quite an interesting little um, documentary. I'd certainly recommend it. Um, In my mind, from two thousand seventeen. Sounds good. And if, uh, okay, Lee. Anyway, how about you? Have you seen anything this week? Similar to Carl. I don't know why. It's just maybe I'm just busy. But I've only w- really watched one film since we last uh, spoke, and it was it's a good one though. It's called uh, The Namesake uh, from from two thousand six. Uh, it stars Carl Penn Carl Penn from uh, Harold and Kumar. And Van Wilder, who you'll probably know him from, but he's been in loads of stuff. Oh, yeah. And no, also, yeah. No Carl Penn, yeah. 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 Irfan Khan, I don't know if I'm, I'm butchering his name there, but he sadly passed away uh, this year. He was in uh, Slumdog Millionaire. I heard about uh, quite that. A yeah, famous, I remember. Yeah. Quite a famous Bollywood actor. Uh, it's a great film. It's, it's uh, what I call like a slice of life movie. He's from India. There's a traumatic near death event that occurs which triggers him his character to uh, explore the world and travel to the US. He starts a family with an Indian girl and he names his American-born son after his favourite author, Gogol. This causes him to, his son, to be bullied at school. He's just trying to fit in with the American uh, life, but he gets kind of bullied because of his name and it causes some uh, distance and resentment towards his father and he's trying to sort of almost like reject his, his Indian heritage uh, but in later on in the movie, he kind of learns to f- he finds out the true significance of his name. It's not just that he was named after his his, his father's favorite author, and he gets uh, in in touch with his Indian roots and, and begins to embrace his heritage. Uh, so it's really about the immigrant's uh, perspective on American life and the contrasts between traditional Indian values and American values. So yeah, it's well, it's, it's a great, it's a bit of a tearjerker. Have some tissues handy, but it's a great film. And the... <laughs> Have some tissues ready for you. Yeah. Drinking. No, not for the, yeah, yeah. For the tears. It's like the, like the last review, isn't it? Tears only. And the other thing, uh, also Cobra Kai, which I've been binge watching, mm. and that is a show 
that really shouldn't work, but it's got all the chemistry from the first film and the kids uh-huh. in it are great, aren't they? They, they provide it's a bit of new yeah. blood and uh, energy. It's uh, We don't want to see too many old people fighting, so uh, it's, it's good. Uh, the karate is pretty good in it as well. I quite enjoy so. seeing laboured uh, Ralph Macchio kick. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's quite funny. Um, it can be. I think one of the things that works really well with Cobra Kai is the the length of an episode as well. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if, the, if if they're all these lengths, but they're all around kind of 25, 30, 35 minutes. Yeah, and it's just yeah. just a perfect amount of time for you know what the show is. If they'd tried to like artificially extend it to you know 45, 50 minutes, it would be it would be too much, and there wouldn't be enough kind of story to pad it out. I don't yeah. think. But it's uh, it's just an ideal chunk of time, and they managed to pack in enough of what you want throughout the episode. Um, it's, so yeah, it's, really made for, it's made so for uh, older generation uh, who saw the original film and for the new, mm-hmm. because the, the amount of cameos in this current series, I'm not going to go into too much detail because I've seen the whole series, um, the cameos in it are incredible. And it, it's, uh, yeah. you're actually watching it thinking, wow, how did they manage to get that person back in it? And they used to be thinking, <laughs> oh, I know, how, I know how they've managed to get that person back in it because they don't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, what, have I, what have I watched? Um, so I've seen um, outside of Cobra Kai, I watched a TV series uh, called The Serpent, which is on, it's on BBC. Oh, I, I watched play. that too, yeah. It's on BBC iPlay and it's also, a, it's a HBO cross production and it's about Charles Shabraj who was a serial killer uh, in the mid 70s he basically on the hippie trail in India and Pakistan and Kazakhstan and all over Europe he poisoned people along with his girlfriend um, and then he mugged them and it wasn't enough for him to just take the goods of these hippies he was mugging and poisoning um, he'd actually then would kill them um, and the, it, it's a really I mean it's quite sensationalized because it's set in the seventies with the clothes and the glamour and the sex yeah. in it. But it all the way through, you are constantly thinking, "How did he get away with it?" And he got away yeah. with it basically because in the the embassies in the world didn't speak to each other. And if you were a traveler in those days, in the mid seventies, doing the hippie trail, and you disappeared, they didn't even look for you um, because yeah. they got so sick of chasing down these people that turn up three months later in another country. So. It's it's frightening actually how many people he did and uh, the guy is still alive to this day, which is also fascinating. The fact is that he's in a prison in Nepal and he's had heart bypass operations and it always amazes me these complete psychos that the amount of healthcare they receive, even though what they did to people's lives and uh, yeah, it's 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 it's, amazing. it's 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 a the series is quite funny even though it's quite dark matter. It's a really good yeah. performance. Isn't it? It's quite gripping, isn't it? The, the, yeah. the, you know, they capture the seventies so well, don't they, with the mm. scenes and the, the clothing and obviously, everything. And the yeah, music, I mean, it's obviously for the um, you know to cap, to get you hooked, it's got the great soundtracks and the sexy clothes yeah. and stuff. But uh, outside of that, I've seen Cobra Kai, which I'm not going to go into too much because it it'd be spoiler territory. And then the only film I saw was the uh, Wonder Woman film, 1980, Wonder Woman 1984, the new one, <clears> which um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I'm not a major fan of all the superhero films, but generally the last one had a lot to say and, and did it really well and didn't, over, you know, it's much more about character development. And sadly, this one goes a bit more uh, padding down the same track as like most of the failed superhero films with uh, a ridiculous villain who can grant dreams and um, his dreams uh, lead to this ultimate chaos in the world and Wonder Woman fighting against impossible odds. Um, 
I'd say if you're going to watch the film, the first uh, first 20, 30 minutes are the best bit of it, where you see her as a little girl and there's this tournament. That's pretty much, after that point, it pretty much slides downhill. <laughs> and uh, unless, unless you're really, really into your superheroes, <clears throat> and her in a, super, in a Wonder Woman costume is pretty amazing, but um, it's not enough to keep you occupied for two hours. Or maybe yeah, it's pretty I think I might have a five, ten year break from superhero films. I'm just absolutely, I can't bring myself, I've been trying to bring myself to watch that for a while and I just can't, I just can't I've seen too many. It's just, it's, please move, move it's on. It's a shame because it's, you know, it had a lot to say. If you've seen the first one, the first one's decent, mm. quite a decent one actually. Um, but I always say, I always say to, you know, whenever anyone asks me, what's the best superhero film, I say, go back to the 70s and watch the original Superman. And then, yeah. and then, <laughs> and start there. And then ignore most of the other films, and and, and then you're okay. And it's uh, it's just, I think it's just a machine now, isn't it? It's just a money making yeah. machine, and it's it's sad, really. Um, you're so used to seeing people fly and do incredible things that it's kind of I'm I'm completely desensitized by it. So, which is why, um, leading back to where we are tonight, I chose um, Logan's Run, which a film. I'm going to go through the summary of it in a minute, but. It's a film which depends more on the plot and the storyline than ridiculous special effects, uh, because special effects, you know, the the like of superheroes weren't available in 1976 when this was made. So, um, I'm going to do the summary and then we'll get into it because there's so much to talk about. And, and I know this film is loved by so many. I saw this film probably when I was too young to see it, and uh, <laughs> for that reason, I remember. Bits. I remember Jenny Agatha mostly actually in the film. Which, uh, Before we go into it, one of the funny yeah. things I've, I found out about this film is I've I got uh, I've got a copy of this on uh, on a UK Blu-ray, and it's only recently been kind of upgraded to a twelve for uh, reasons we'll discuss later. But historically, and you know on, on VHS and everything, it's just been PG, but there weren't any cuts to it. No, um, but it's uh, they must have felt it was more a PG than you know a fifteen because we've not always yeah. had the 12, but it's only recently, just recently, been upgraded to a 12, which I thought was quite interesting. I thought, you know, perhaps it would have been either it's, cut or, um, yeah. And we'll talk about this later. It's the tolerance, isn't it, of the times, isn't it? Uh, when, yes. when this film, I mean, when I saw this in the, I would have seen it in the 80s, and uh, um, the amount of nudity in it, and even the violence, the violence is not that extreme, but there's a lot of nudity in the film. That, uh, <laughs> that you know, it was just accepted, wasn't it? I think if you know, also you could get away with if if it's for the sake of the plot, and it's not just you know, which it generally is. There are a few ludicrous scenes in it, but um, we'll get started anyway. I'll go into this summary. So, so to start, okay, Logan's one. Uh, in a self-perpetuated dome city somewhere in the future, we know it's the future because it's inhabited by young, beautiful people wearing leotards and miniskirts. And they're all wearing very pastel colours. And it's a it's a world that is devoted to pleasure. They're living deep underground. You know this because there's no natural daylight. Uh, nutritious jinks are consumed as their main sustenance. You don't actually see much eating. And you can sexes can be ordered on demand, like Deliveroo, uh, where <laughs> sitting in your room with your, and you choose who you want to actually um, consummate with by actually turning a dial and then you say yes or no, and then they just materialise in your room. Uh, the giant snag to this idyllic world is that nobody is allowed to live more than 30 years. On your last day, which is what they call it, last day, you were sent to the heavens in a giant ceremony called Carousel. 
Uh, and you and all your family and everyone watches you as you float up to the heavens like an eyes wide shut scene with a mask and a cloak. And you float up to the heavens and you are incinerated and blasted by lasers and everyone cheers. We follow our hero, Logan, played by the wonderful Michael York. And his job is a Sandman. And a Sandman is a sign to stop runners. These are people who try to escape the society before last day because they don't believe in carousel and they actually they they're heading for freedom they don't want to die logan however is double crossed by the computer mind the sentient mind which runs the city and he's uh, double crossed into finding something called sanctuary which is a belief where some people are trying to escape from even this even the computer mind does not know what sanctuary is sanctuary is symbolized by an ankh symbol the ancient Egyptian symbol, which the, some people are wearing around their necks, or some people obviously in on this sanctuary. Logan runs with the mysterious and beautiful Jessica Six, played by uh, Jenny Agutter, to search for sanctuary. He's guided by the symbol of the Ankh, which they found on a runner which Logan had killed. Logan and Jessica run through irrigation systems, they're trapped on an elevator, they fight over sandmen, and they walk through an ice tunnel occupied by homicidal computerized Tin Man, who is harvesting runners. Shock. Runners are now being harvested for food. So uh, emerge, they eventually emerge to the surface to see our Earth that we recognize. And they are in Washington. We know they're in Washington because you can see the state building is covered in moss and everything's gone to hell. Very Planet of the Apes. Well, after they, after they trudge across Washington, they meet an elderly gentleman, the first time they've ever seen somebody old, played by Peter Ustinov. He wants to bring Ustinov back down, this character, back down to show the other people that you can live a free life away from um, the idea of carousel and that you can live your full lifespan. Logan has to fight for his life against his Sandman friend, uh, Francis, played by Richard Jordan, and after he defeats Francis, he releases the inhabitants of the underworld who are now prepared to face a new world on Earth. So that's pretty much it. Um, there's loads to talk about in this. I mean, it's it's uh, it's uh, one thing I will say before we get really get into it is that it's so ambitious. The film, it literally, I, I was watching it, and in the first twenty odd minutes. There is so much thrown at you. There is so much plot. There is so much understanding, so much special effects. Can you imagine if Logan's Room was made today? They would literally kind of plan this out as like a three-film series. Mm. You know, the first bit would be about <laughs> Michael York and the Sandmen and their adventures. And it would only be it's towards weird. the end of the first film where, you know, the Michael York character, um, Logan, uh, would, would start to kind of experience some doubts and think, oh, you know, maybe... Maybe there is something a bit more to what's going on here, and that would be part one. And then part two would be the the run part. Um, I don't know. They, they, this is this is something that happens in lots of films in the seventies and the eighties. And mm-hmm. um, bizarrely, I was watching um, a few weeks ago uh, back Santa Claus the movie, and this is a film. I thought, goodness me, there's they pack so much into uh, you know like just under two hours. Uh, just like an origin story for Santa Claus. There's another story about the elf who wants to rebel. There's another story about some, you know, uh, a homeless boy who Santa befriends. And they they tie it all in, you know, they tie it all in. Whereas now they'd be thinking, no, 
first part is the origin story. <laughs> we'll see how we do with that, and then we'll make a second film. Um, and and this is the same. It's, it, there's loads. You're right, Rob. There's loads and loads going on here. I've not read the book, but I believe the book's like that. A hundred pages in, they kind of created this whole world, and they, they described this whole dystopia city and and everything so it's a fast moving book as well so yeah it it does pack a lot in in that first half an hour it's quite fast paced and then but i don't know i'm probably moving it on a bit too far but when they get out of the city it kind of reaches a bit of a slower pace doesn't it with the the bit with peter houston off certainly i mean a bit like uh, the film i know it's a very different film but when we did silent night deadly night which we talked about at christmas that it's 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 a film of i I say it's not too harsh i say it's three quarters in a quarter because mm. I, the pace of the film and the running and the chase, you know, Logan and Jessica Six running for their lives and coming across all these strange and wonderful places, like especially the sex room, and <laughs> and almost drowning in sewage tanks, and uh, um, it 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 suddenly comes to an abrupt halt when they reach Earth, which should really be the pinnacle, shouldn't it? It should be the most exciting part when they get mm. to Earth. They I see, thought that they see they see reality, and sadly, it's because. You know, it's it's such a shame because Peter Ustinov is a great actor, but he is allowed to completely uh, free reign, and he almost is too dominant for the director, is he? So he's he basically completely ad libs. He's, he's an old man living with loads of cats, and he he starts talking about McCavity, and he starts talking about um, he can't remember his name, and and he's obviously been they've obviously got Ustinov in for the day, and they've given him a loose plot about the character, and then they said go. And he, he, his scene is a long scene, actually. I think it's, a, it's almost like 20 or 30 minutes he talks before they finally, um, you know, do we allow, the main, allow us to get back into the film? Which is like, can you come, can you come down to, a, to show everyone what can happen if you're allowed to grow old? And that's right. Um, they, they include a lot of uh, Ustinov, a lot of his material, at the expense, we find out, you know, we, we, we were just talking earlier that they, they deleted uh, quite a few scenes to kind of bring down the running time. Um, and I, I thought they could they could easily have excised a good few minutes of uh, Ustinov's kind of babbling at the end of the film. Um, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to get too kind of down on this film at all because it's, um, I think, generally speaking, it's uh, it's a really good film. Um, but it, so it, was, cool. it was certainly a, an odd point for me because you kind of getting towards the end of the film and, um, yeah, things do slow down when... Pete Ustinov turns up with his cats and um, <laughs> he's got cats all over the place. No wonder, no wonder Michael York wanted to go back. You know, I think he wanted to escape and then he, he spent a night here in this place. He was like, now nah, we'll go back to, we'll go back to yeah. the city. I own two cats and I could almost smell that building, to be honest. If, if he's been uh, looking after like 50 cats, yeah, it must be pretty terrible. You know, they're, 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 they talk about cat ladies, don't they? Well, he's the, he's the cat hundred year old guy. You do, although it's quite brutal to die at thirty. You do look at the life of these sandmen, and you think actually it's, it's not a bad life. They are literally, <laughs> they are literally. Apart from the mass murder, because they kill all the runners, and they seem to enjoy killing the runners. Because when he's running with his friend Francis, they tease the runners, and they go, "Hey, runner!" And they chase after them, and they blast them with these guns, which look like flare guns, which sparkle. They look like a, they look like they shoot sparklers into walls. They're the slowest guns of the future. At the um, at the start of the film, Logan and his partner his sandman partner francis i mean they're they're a couple of prize shitheads aren't they 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 yeah, they're they literally awful. living for shits and giggles they take they take glue and kind of sadistic <laughs> pleasure in their uh 
in sh- in you know shooting runners and killing them, and they they must know what happens to them. They are very enthusiastic SS guards, aren't they? Really, <laughs> they, 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 they love. I, they I love don't think they would have survived the um, the Nuremberg trials. They'd have been. Um, no. They wouldn't have come out of that one alive. I don't think. This this is a shame actually because because of that, Michael York Logan is allowed a character arc. Because obviously the, the computer mind tricks him in the it, the computer mind's obviously worried about this idea of sanctuary and that people are leaving the dome and and they're seeking another world outside of you know the computer's control. So he's allowed to develop and he develops very quickly, doesn't he? He goes from being a complete sadist who enjoys killing runners to like the moment the moment his light flashing he says really selfish lines in the films, doesn't he? Like uh, he says that didn't matter. It was it, now it's about me. He actually says that line to Jessica Six. He says that line a couple um, of times as well, doesn't he? It's about me now. Yeah, um, yeah and it's and maybe I think because the political there is a big political call out in this film. There's loads of things they're trying to big, big messages, but the big one is like the selfishness of youth, isn't it? The well, idea totally. that like, yes. yeah, yeah. That you don't yeah. you don't care what you do. And no responsibility. Yeah, who you hurt until it matters for you, and that's what Michael York keeps on saying that line. Now it's about me, and uh, he, and Francis never gets that development, which is a shame actually, because they're supposed to be really close friends. Um, they they Francis... are, but at the same time, I think um, early on in the film, there is there are a couple of little parts where Logan kind of Logan and Francis are kind of having a conversation. Logan questions, you know, a couple of things like about Carousel, and he, you know, when they're talking about why people run, yeah. um, he's generally wondering about it. Where Francis. Francis just accepts everything, you know. He's just like, yeah. Well, what, what, why do you need to think about it? You know, what are they running for? They, they get renewed, uh, you know. Uh, so but I think, I think from the start, there's a bit of a distinction drawn between the two characters. You're right about the, um, you know, the, the trick that the computer pulls on Logan a bit later on. Um, but then, mm. yeah. But Francis is just accepts everything. You know, lives a high life, and you know he's he's there and loving it, isn't he? And I think Logan has a bit more of a kind of a questioning. Uh, in nature. They have like a threesome, don't they, almost at the beginning. Um, and, w- and when when Logan... Quickly cut the- away for a PG rating. <laughs> <laughs> when, Logan, when Logan's ordering, ordering Jessica 6, um, he flashes through everything he's had previously. And you see like a little man and you see like a little and he's Yeah, sat- I... I- I thought I said to you I thought that was like last night's order was that was the man and he's like oh no I don't want to do that again let's let's kind of have the lady he kind of gives him a look doesn't he the guy when he turns yeah, up he kind of like looks at like, yeah not tonight <laughs> not to not to, do, not to sponsor but he reminded me of Amazon like you previously ordered you may like and it was a bit like <laughs> yeah and he, they could be I don't blame they've just got it very wrong they've got the algorithm wrong and they've sent him a, sent him a dude or maybe they've got it right who knows. Ethan, <laughs> the Sandman is supposed to be the uh, the most desirable people to be with because, of course, they have the power of life and death. And um, straight away, um, um, uh, Jenny Agatha's character hates him, doesn't she? Because she, obviously she's wearing the ankh and she knows about the idea of sanctuary and she, mm. she knows he's a murderer. And, and she, would, she turns him down, which to him, he, he accuses her of being a lesbian, doesn't he? When uh, it, like uh, it's not very me too, is it? This uh, film, I, it's not, <laughs> I think he, he's a smooth talker, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he's definitely, <laughs> definitely. 
Um, I love how he puts it. It's really flat. It's very like Alan Partridge. If he like hit a wall, he wouldn't know what to say. Go, should we have sex? And it's like it's like that. It's, it's just, <laughs> he, the, and 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 the idea uh, we've been saying this name for people who've not seen the film. We've been saying Jessica Six, and I think Logan is not called Logan, is he? He's called Logan Free. Is he? Logan, Logan Five. Logan Five. Logan Five. Logan five because yeah. you, there's a scene at the beginning where they see the babies in the yeah, um, yeah. uh, uh, kind of crash kind of thing and um he spots logan six who's kind of been lined mm-hmm. up to replace him they hint at it but they don't reveal until later until we meet the old man that basically um you don't have parents do you it's no. almost like uh you are basically you know sex is still happening and we don't know how if birth is happening if birth used to happen and then you are literally just part of the society you know Guys, I'm I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bore the pair of you with my um, sociology degree. And um, this is this is this idea comes straight from uh, from Plato, the uh, uh, the um, Greek, Greek philosopher, I think he is. And the idea that in in a society, his society is called the Republic, um, people would have oh, children, yeah. but they then they wouldn't be raised by by parents as such. They'd be yeah, raised yeah. by kind of you know institutions in society. And I think mm. this this must be a you know kind of a Harking to that, I think that kind of yeah, idea it, seems to be the same thing. No, I'm glad you mentioned that because there is there is intellectual thought, obviously because it's come from a novel. Um, it, there is intellectual thoughts in this film, even though it is you know there are some laugh out loud um, moments in it, especially sure. when we talk about we talk about the box man uh, later <laughs> in the ice tunnel, which we have the Baker <laughs> foil guy, shot. Lee. That was the Baker. so funny. The Baker foil guy. We'll talk about him. <laughs> We'll talk yeah. about him later, but um, uh, yeah, it's we. I suppose what I do like is the character development between them two. That like obviously she's repulsed by Logan, who is um, Jessica's repulsed by Logan because he's a killer. But there are similar things like he's questioning Carousel. She's she brings up the idea of like um, I wish I could have met my mother, and Logan looks at her quizzically like it's the strangest idea in the world. So they are both harboring. Maybe it's it's almost like nature nurture argument, isn't it? They're like both harboring. If if society was, you know, why are we doing the things we're doing? They're actually questioning the world around them instead of a just again. That's an attack. At, it's an attack at young people, is it? Saying that if you want the world to change, you should do something about it. Don't just accept everything. Yeah, Don't I, mean, just accept- I, I thought much of this film was kind of a um, a study of youth versus kind of getting older and yeah. facing responsibility. Yeah. That, that's basically what it is. It's kind of um, it's a, a What's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of a, a, a th- amusing on, um, you know, being a young person and the steps that you have to take in order to become someone who's a little mm-hmm. bit older, a little wiser, um, you know, a little more seasoned. And, you know, it's things like questioning, asking questions, not not just accepting everything, yeah. um, you know, uh, meeting new people um, and... Um, yeah, sorry, I've, uh, I've I've run out of my thread there, but yeah. Um. In the book, the the young people overthrow old people and create this this society yeah, where, where there is no old yeah. people. So it makes more sense. It's yeah. the book. The, the subtext of the book is is a rallying cry against hedonism, basically saying if you abandon all morals of all morals of family and 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 just just seek a life of of drugs and sex and just 
remove all wisdom, just going to society is just going to collapse because because ultimately you need the, the kind of wisdom of your elders to kind of to survive. So it, it, the book makes a lot more sense if you follow that. Yeah, well, thanks, yeah. actually, because I, I knew there was a book and um, I haven't done any prior reading. Did you did you read it read up for um, for this? I've podcast? not read it. But I've, I've, read, I've read sort of the the synopsis of the book and the Wikipedia and the differences between the movie and everything. Yeah. So I've not read the book, but yeah, the major um, difference. But, the major difference, which I chatted about with Lee before, is, is that um, in the book, you are 21 when your life is over. That's mm-hmm. when you enter Carousel, which, and the only reason they shifted it for the film is for casting reasons, so they can actually have a yeah. broader net. But... Michael York is definitely not 21. <laughs> and he, he wasn't 30 either. He was certainly older than 30 when he, uh, when he made this. I don't know what age he was. But... Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, was 33. Right. But... Um... Uh, the, the way I expected it to go was more like the book because I expected in the book he, the guy who they they kill, um, he whispers something about the sanctuary to and and um, and Logan Five is is twenty nine and he's about about to go to to the last day. Yeah. So when he hears this kind of whisper of sanctuary, he he then gets this idea in his head and he's going to seek it out and he's going to go on this adventure to find sanctuary. Uh, which I think would have made more sense than, than this convoluted computer uh, sending him on a quest. Yeah, you know, it, it was a bit um, how two thousand and one, wasn't it? Because they don't actually go very far with it. I mean, he, there's a bit near the end where he gets interrogated by the machine about Sanctuary, and and the machine, like almost like something out of war games, the machine just malfunctions and can't cope with the truth of, um, mm. you know, outside of the, the outside world, and it just starts fuming and. Um, and it's it's kind of like a, a, I mean, it's like that's not. I don't want to go down on the film because I I love the film, but it's another thread they don't quite tie up. And there's many there's many in there. And I think if they'd have done that, if they've had that backdrop, you know, maybe if we saw a flashback, uh, I'm not a big fan of flashback, maybe a flashback of the old young people overthrowing the old, and then how the world you know was established and mm-hmm. what, rather than that stupid computer thing, which we didn't really need. Um, but the computer is a plot device as well, because it? it's the computer which actually entrusts Logan to uh, to go undercover and find Sanctuary. So also, in the film, doesn't Logan yeah. think he has more time than he has? And he's yeah, got six years. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, he's got he's got a few years. So it's it's speeded up his clock, which kind of shows that the clock is not as natural as he believed it was, because he just basically go in this scanning machine. And it immediately speeds up his his lifespan. It takes him straight to his last days, uh, which is uh, and the crystal. They keep him coming back to the hand crystal, don't they? They even have a sculpture in the middle of the city of a giant hand with a gemstone in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, the, uh, in fact, the carousel sequence is the the whole of the carousel is like a huge um, crystal, isn't it? It is. It's, kind of I was Going back to youth culture, I imagine it was like um, if if the filmmakers had made it in the future, it'd be like the hacienda uh, and all the all the young youth drug culture and everyone dying in the carousel. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, uh, when they filmed that, they had a nightmare because all the the wires got entangled, so they had to spend two hours <laughs> getting all the the actors down individually one by one. Yeah. And obviously, they had fi- they had fireworks or whatever it was, pyrotechnics strapped to the back. So yeah, it wasn't the safest thing. That'd to, be amazing. Yeah. It was. I thought that was like a stunning scene to have because uh, that they filmed that live. Can you imagine being in the audience and seeing kind of all those actors floating around and this mad oh, crystal? Yeah. 
you know, fireworks going off. It must have been something to behold. That. As well as that, I truly love the model sequences. There's a bit where they're traveling on these like subway trains, these futuristic trains, and they're traveling right across the city. And you see, you get a really wide view of it, the whole world. And you could tell it's a giant model, and apparently they made this model of like two um, sound stages. That uh, uh, it's huge, and, and and you can tell it's a model, but it's done so well and with so much care that actually you can forgive that. It's blended seamlessly. Great, the model work is great. You, I, I agree. You can tell it's a model, but at the same time, you, you buy, you totally buy it. And the the, the photography is really good. They they sometimes match, um, you know, kind of a real life shot of extras walking along. Um, in the distance with, you know, a model in the background and they make a composite oh, yeah, yeah, shot that's yeah. really good looking. And um, I mean, for the time, the, the special effects on yeah. this must have been, if not, maybe not groundbreaking, but certainly top of the range. And uh, I was watching the, um, the, the, there's an extra on the Blu-ray, which is like, um, you know, a, a making of from the time. And it was yeah, saying that yeah. the, the carousel sequence was one of the most kind of um, complex special effects sequences that had ever been kind of worked on up, up till that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it definitely pays off for Carousel because I thought that scene was really, it's really, oh, it's really bold and stark. It's really quite chilling as well. And, you know, you watch the kind of the audience cheering yeah. it on and you kind of see the horror of what's mm. really happening as well. It's, it's the, um, it's also, you know, the, the fact of wearing these like Venetian face masks, aren't they? Almost there, and, and that adds to it the whole suspense. It's uh, it reminds you like the Wicker Man. The fact is that how zealous the crowd are, mm-hmm. you know, like the end of the Wicker Man when they're all like chanting and just accepting this horror taking place in front of them, and, and that adds to the suspense when they're all like cheering. Oh, the Roman gladiators, wasn't it? it was a, it yeah, a sort yes. of a bit, a bit, bit of that about it. And I really liked the uh, the 3D hologram at the end. That apparently was the first time that had ever been done, so that was quite unique. The there is no sanctuary at the end. <laughs> sanctuary. <laughs> Should we? Um, I want to talk about one of my um, favorite scenes, which is basically when. Uh, all hope seems gone. So basically, he's accepted. He, he's, he's, he's agreed this deal with this computer sentient mind, and his his gemstones flashing, and he uh, he has little choice. He's got to do one last mission, and they go to a, a place called Cathedral. And in Cathedral, it's where young, uh, almost like young offenders institute, isn't it? It's like a really rough. It is a natural cathedral, and it, and he warns. Yeah. He takes Jessica six room, which is really unwise, and he warns her that. Um, in this world, they'll just slash you as soon as see you. So it's all these, it's kids up to a certain age and they, they get surrounded. It's almost like guys and dolls scene, isn't it? They get surrounded by all these these young actors yeah. who are like threatening to stab him and slash him. And then he pulls out his little sparkler gun and threatens them away. And, and he, he threatens one of them. He, he says to them, this is another plot which did not take place. He says, you're nearly 15. And when you're 15, I mean, he doesn't quite go yeah. and explain. I didn't understand that. Why? He sort of said, when you turn 15, the elder will kill you or something. I didn't understand that bit. Yeah, it, and he's suggesting that, obviously, I need to read the book. And he's saying that in this cathedral world, they don't even let you return to main society because he, he talks about um, these people live lawlessly and they, they basically just kill and, and, you know, and live like wild animals. So they're not letting these people part of this ideal world. I did notice as well in the mm. ideal world that most people are attractive. Almost everyone was, wasn't it? And I just, I was just thinking that the nightmares he would have had for casting. Can you imagine he would have had to do an open casting call, especially if they did it in 2021? An open casting call yeah. when all these actors and actresses come for the role. 
uh, the casting, <laughs> it would have been quite harsh, wouldn't it? It would have been like, <laughs> nope, not beautiful enough for Carousel. No, no. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, you're not you're not white. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's you. Got. Yeah, actually, in this in this in this future world, um, there is no black actors apart from which we'll talk about later when they meet Box, the uh, the, the the crazed Tin Man, who is actually a black actor inside a silver box, but. Um, Sadly, he's wrapped up in bake files, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we don't actually get to see his black skin. But it is, um, it's yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? I was, I was, I mean, I noticed. I mean, this is still going on now, isn't it? I mean, I, I noticed um, there was a thing announced today actually going outside of the film. Um, it was the great. It was the comedy awards for the UK, and then I looked at the all the people that voted for and all the shows that voted for. Every single person was a white middle-aged man. Uh, and there wasn't one female female comedian. There wasn't one black comedian. And I suppose Logan's run is nineteen seventy six, but this is still going on now. I read, uh, read something from Richard Pryor, and he said the reason why he went into making films was because they weren't making films with with black people. And he even like mentioned Logan's run. He said, "I saw this at the film, and it wasn't a, a single." I won't say the word, but a, a big word. I know word. which word yeah. Richard probably used a lot. Yeah, I do know that. Um, yeah, I have to say that. I mean, that's, it, if you think about a lot of those films at the time, they just don't. They just don't exist, do they? Um, it's really as well. You watch things like Dirty Harry, and um, you know, they, they, you might get some black actors turning up as like bank robbers or something like mm. that. And Harry takes them all out, mm. and then. I think this this criticism was leveled at Clint Eastwood uh, quite a few times in the seventies, and he turned around by saying. Uh, Oh yeah, but nobody mentions that you know we gave four black stuntmen work, which I suppose is true. But at the same time, you know, if they're not getting a representation um, in terms of the their characters, I mean, I'm pretty sure Eastwood's tune is different today. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean it's mm. it's, it's that, that would have been a nice plot development actually. You know, when they get to Earth, they actually see different cultures and different. Uh, Different skins, the and races. yeah. The old man should have been black. Why did why did they not? Why did not think about that? Maybe because I mean they've been talking about making it or doing a remake of this for a long time, and it, it kind of it stalled. Apparently, what I read about it um, is that because, because obviously Ryan Gosling in lead, Ryan's run. <laughs> oh god, yeah, awful. Oh, it's going to be terrible, isn't it? And, you know, what would happen? It'd be an all-female cast, and it'd be a Linda's run, <laughs> and it'd be it'd be Rebel Wilson, who's Linda, who's uh, and it'd be like a it'd be like a comedy comedy take on it with Rebel Wilson <laughs> and Kirsty <Kirstie> Mig. <laughs> so obviously, in in Cathedral, you could tell he's already changed Logan, and he, they meet a, a woman there who's begging for a life. It's, you know, it was a runner they've been chasing. She's actually the voice of the computer, oh, I believe, as well. She did oh, that, up. Yeah. So they agree not to, but of course, at that moment, Francis appears, and Francis just straight away goes, does his usual runner, and then he shoots the, this woman at cold blood. Um, and he's still playing the game, though, aren't they? It's only a little bit later when Logan realizes he has to run because it won't be long before Francis and everyone um, realizes. And Jessica Six, uh, she takes him to meet these underground people, almost like the resistance movement, doesn't it? And uh, all their faces are in shadows and darkness. And uh, and this is my favourite scene because it, it gets bussed up by all these sandmen. You basically shoot down hundreds of like these resistance movement. And then there's these slow motion chase sequence through a, it's like a love club, isn't it? 
like a seedy, seedy pink light. Slow motion there. sexual assault club. <laughs> did uh, what? What I want to know, Rob, is did you break your pause button with with this? this it is amazing because it's like they get separated, Logan and Jessica, and like Jessica's being seduced, but she's also enjoying it, and Logan's being seduced, but he's also enjoying it, but trying to move. And then they pull out this like flashing, um, flashing you know, what? It looks like a. <laughs> the flash, it looks like a vibrator. They pull out this flashing apparatus, which which makes the room even more like trippy. It reminds me actually; it's, it's yeah. so trippy that scene. It is like almost like you know, um, Easy Rider. You know the drug sequence. It's like really like uh, like spinning cameras and slow mo and stuff. And there is there's various hints in the movie about tripping. I think there's a bit where he's in the jacuzzi when Fraser's in the jacuzzi. Francis, sorry, is oh, yeah. in the jacuzzi and. Uh, he says something, oh, you've been sculling out too much, Logan. You know, I wondered if that was kind of a bit of a hint that he'd been tripping out Maybe. or something like that. There's a scene earlier on where he kind of throw the gas the gas canister up against the ceiling. It kind of releases all the red gas, you know, just before yeah. the kind of slight oh, yeah. implied yeah. orgy. And, um, mm. yeah, I wonder if that's some kind of, like, you know, narcotic of some kind. And the other thing was about the, uh, the, the slow motion sex club was um, I read that that sequence was originally much longer and kind of much more detailed, but of oh, course they, they cut yeah. it down because they wanted the um, the low certificate. So it, the, it, it, does, it is over rather quickly, that scene, and it, it, there's lots of cuts before you actually kind yeah. of see anything. I think that's the reason why the, the, the bodies are like painted, because that was like one way of kind of keeping them naked, yeah. but kind of, you know, uh, covering them yeah, up slightly. Yeah. But what's really disappointing is that when they leave that room, they get into this, like, sewage farm. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you, you, you're in, um, obviously, you know, as, a, as an audience member, you're in a certain mindset watching uh, this, like, beautiful, seductory room. And then you get, so they get to this sewage farm, which apparently was filmed in, like, some, uh, it was filmed in a water um, treatment room. Um, and you can see there's all these tanks of water and... That looked dangerous as it, hell, didn't it? That bit where the water was, came in. It looked, I mean, obviously stunt stunt doubles and stuff, but it looked really dangerous. There's a, basically the water tanks are flooding up and they're, they're being bashed around what is a giant metal container. You could tell they didn't build a set for this. This is an actual water mm. treatment unit. And they, they're being flushed through a tiny little door. And it's a chance for Jenny Agatha to get um, sopping wet in a very flimsy... Jenny Agatha who flies through the door. If you look carefully, it's it's her, and she, you know, she looks like she kind of yeah. lands quite heavily when she. Oh, it, it looks painful. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's being swung around, and um, and it's it's one step after the next, isn't it? Because the basically it's um, and it's the way they filmed it. Actually, I mean, it's it's they're now heading towards the the outer realms of um, their world, and they get to this ice tunnel, don't they? And this is the way we can actually go into detail now about the box they meet um and this is where it really goes into doctor who territory anyone who's aware of doctor who 70s and 80s aliens it really would fit in the um this box he wanders up and who's the actor who played him he was inside uh, of brown very good actor i didn't realize it was him uh until i kind of saw the credits at the end and um, i was expecting yeah. him to i did see his name at the beginning i was expecting him to turn up in a just another role and it it didn't occur to me until later on. I was, oh, he's the guy in the box. He's wasted somewhat in this. And you can actually see him be, like between the foil, can't you? You can see his mouth. Yeah, and right. it's it's like, I believe that I, I read a I read a review of Roger Ebert. He said like he watched it in the theatre and he said that when that came on, 
the the theatre audience laughed yeah. at the robot. It was that it's, bad. It was still bad, bad, bad at the time. That, that whole it's, sequence, I think, with with first of all with with the box, and also with how the, how his lair is kind of destroyed at the end. That whole sequence somehow the special effects are just they're kind of a bit lower quality than they are in the in the rest of the film there. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if they maybe redid this scene or if they shot it towards the end. Or I don't think they had faith in the technology, did they? It would have been better, you know, if they'd invested some money in some a different way of doing um, this this machine that's controlling its lair, mm-hmm. rather than a guy a guy mm-hmm. in a box, because it really does look like a man in a box wrapped in t- wrapped is, in yeah. tin foil, shuffling around, around <laughs> very awkwardly. They could have used Huey or Louie from Silent Running. I think that probably would have been a bit more effective. Yeah, exactly. They certainly have yeah. a bit of menace about <laughs> it, don't they? Um, oh, I miss my favourite gratuitous scene actually. So they're um, they're obviously sopping wet, and they appear in this ice kingdom, and Logan says to Jessica. Your clothes are freezing wet. We'll freeze to death. Let's take our clothes off. So they um they all take they take the clothes off. <laughs> a smooth operator. They take the clothes off and they're completely naked. And then there happens to be these convenient blankets on the floor which they wrap around them. And then they meet um they meet the box, this tin man. And then uh, obviously a huge scene is cut out. You can tell it like changes. And then they then they put on their sopping clothes again. Which I saw the whole. It makes the nudity scene even more silly because, like, yeah. like, there was supposed to be a scene in there where where the the box character does a ice sculpture of the two. They pose naked for him because if you notice, there's like a I think there's a walrus and there's penguins right, and there's birds and stuff, and he just kind of yeah, they just cut it out so it kind of makes no. You do, well, you do see the kind of the uh, the food, his food kind of behind the the ice screens, don't you? You do see that a little bit there, but yeah, they, they quickly put the clothes back on it. It doesn't make. Can I say sense. my favorite line in the whole film? So uh, as they go down the corridor, they see all the other runners who have been frozen in time, these like naked men and women. Um, And it's another, lots of boob scenes then. But then um, the box explains why those people are frozen. Welcome, humans. I am ready for you. Fish, plankton, sea greens, and protein from the sea. Fresh. As harvest day. Overwhelming, am I not? Are you too startled? Am I too removed from your ken? I'm more than machine, or man. More than a fusion of the two. Don't you agree? Fish and plankton and sea greens and protein from the sea. I'm ready. And you're ready. It's my job to freeze you. Protein, plankton, grass from the sea. So he explains that they ran out of natural food and they started using runners. And he and he gets stuck on like a loop, doesn't he? And he keeps on saying, fish and plankton and sea greens 
and protein from sea. the sea yeah. and sea greens <laughs> and protein from and he keeps on saying it it's like <laughs> and at that point um logan because he's a bit short on the uptake logan he realizes they've got to run for it so they they run and he gets out his little sparkler gun does it and he he shoots he shoots the box and it's right in its tinfoil boxy Boxy body. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was heat resistant. It should have been okay. The robot. Been robot oil you get from certain shops. Yeah. Isn't the robot carrying two like freeze guns? He's like he's like Mister Freeze from the old Batman films. So he's like got to his two freeze guns, like chill out, and he's he's got two freeze. Guns. <laughs> yeah. And, no, and no, um, cast in the in the in the Ryan Gosling remake now in in, in the role <laughs> of Arnold Schwarzenegger. I know you. I know Cal's a big fan of this film, Silent Green. So when you when they actually drop that big, I mean, it's a massive moment. This that all those young people on the ground have been living on humans. It's the silent green, you know, big moment, is it? But it's kind of in this film, it's not it doesn't come across like that, does it? It's just very accepting. It's like um and then they fight they fight the robot and they overpower the robot very quickly, don't they? Um it's because right. it, obviously he's not very stable on his legs because it's a man in a cardboard box. <laughs> <laughs> One swift kick to the box would 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 send him flying. <laughs> and they and they shoot his birds, don't they? He's got these frozen um, seagulls on the ceiling, yeah. and they all collapse. And he got he actually does it call out my birds or something. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, my birds. <laughs> <laughs> then they manage to get out, and this is the first glimpse they have of Earth, and they see sunlight for the first time. And it's uh, uh, Jerry Goldsmith who does the the soundtrack in this film, and it's it's, it's good. I like the music actually. I like mm. the background sounds, and it's quite a it's quite a rewarding score when they first see sunlight and they shield their eyes to it, and they're not. You know, it's it's, and they make quite a big deal at that moment because it's supposed to be. I suppose it is a a, a huge turning point in the film. So I was just going to say the um, the score by Joe Goldsmith is um, is really two different things. When they're when they're in the city and they're escaping mm. from the city, it's kind of you know uh, synthesizers, kind of harsh electronic yeah. sounds, mm. um, kind of monotonous. Um, but then when they when they get out into the uh, you know, outside the city into the, uh, into the kind of the, the ruined world, it all of a sudden mm. becomes kind of a big orchestral score, doesn't it? Kind of quite mm. sweeping. Mm. So there's, there's found... it's quite clever how, how he's, uh, how he scored that. It is. Uh, it's, that it, work, yeah. it works really well and it does keep you, you know, keeps you interested all the way through. I, tell, I mean, this is where the pace really slows down. And I, I think it's because, you know, a lot of the action has taken place now. And they wanted it to obviously be calmer and more serene when they're on Earth. But then they have to battle through like thick forests and they have to sleep in each other's arms. And then they dive into, um, um, they've been searching for water and they dive into this stream. And this is where she allows Logan to be with her at that point and she accepts him. Um, and there's another nudity scene there, and <laughs> and then and then as they trudge and and there's there's little bits where she's traumatized by the outside world. She sits down on a rock, and a lizard crawl, crawls up her skirt, and then she screams and she says, "I, I can't yeah. stand this place. I can't stand the outside. I world. can't stand the outside. That that's going to be everybody in at the end of 2021, yeah. isn't it? I can't <laughs> I stand the outside. No. We feel Jen, Jen Agatha's pain. We all feel it. Um, yeah, she's certainly suffering from a bit of uh, agoraphobia." Um, it is, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's what it is, isn't it? They've not been anywhere; they've just been in a state of suspension, almost like floating in carousel to go all highbrowy. But 
So they they actually they reach PT Ustinov and uh, and uh, let's talk about the backdrops. I mean the backdrops it really is um, they use a mixture of real effects and paintings, don't they? Painting, yeah, yeah. yeah the, so you, the really good matte paintings that seem yeah. to just blend seamlessly yeah. into you know they're obviously yeah. photographed them um, you know from far away and they've built the scene up around them with a matte painting. Beautiful, you know, good use of uh, yeah. it works well. Shots and it? A mixture of different special yeah. effects. Yeah, that bit was truly impressive. That yeah, they won an Academy Award, I think, didn't they, for the special effects? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. It works. It works well. I mean, you see the you know see the White House and stuff, don't you? Buried in moss and everything. And yeah, there's there's uh, a shot from the top of the Lincoln Memorial, which is you know yeah. covered in kind of branches and um, everything, and you kind of see the two of them looking up at it. <laughs> every, time see like... scenes, every time I see scenes like this, I always want to see the Statue of Liberty and I always want Charlton Heston to beat the beach and go, you did it! <laughs> it's kind of a cross between Soylent Green and Planet of the Apes and yeah, there's a there's lot definitely of... definitely a bit of that going on and I think they, they must yeah. have thought yeah, well, let's try and go for a slight, you know, a bit of a. There's a bit of 2001 yeah. in there with the machines, yeah, and yeah. the apes yeah, going yeah. on. I think they must have thought, well, we'll just throw in these kind of successful elements from other films, and you know, well, there's, a com- there's a comedy, isn't it, where they, they, they spoof on that Charlton Heston beating on the beach scene? Is it Wayne's one of the Wayne's World films? I think I one of the Wayne's World films, films does it. Maybe, maybe a couple yeah. of films that do it though. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah Wayne's World yeah. Two, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite fun. And and and, and they reach Peter Yusuf. And this is that we mentioned it earlier. This is where he's obviously a batty old man because he's just lived with cats and he's been living on his own for years. And he's actually forgotten his own name, so he finds their names quite peculiar when they introduce themselves as Logan Five and Jessica Six. But this is where he's allowed to completely free reign to go where he wants. He quotes some cats, which I find quite bizarre, because if it's set in the future, like 300 years in the future, it's suggesting that Andrew Lloyd Webber's cats is still <laughs> in people's resonance. It's a T.S. Eliot, which kind of went on to influence cats. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah So yeah. he starts quoting from the cavity and stuff, doesn't it? And I, and I was thinking mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe, maybe that knowledge and, you know, that experience of culture is still there in 300 years' time. Who knows? Maybe, but <laughs> so <laughs> he doesn't seem to remember, remember anything else other than that. T.S. Eliot, he's, he's got no idea of anybody's these paintings are. Yeah, but he's got a perfect knowledge of the works of T.S. Eliot. Yeah. Yeah, and how is he feeding these? You know, he's got a lot of cats, isn't he? These cats would be like completely feral, wouldn't they? They'd be like trying to bite mm. him and eat him at night. But um, he's managing to keep feeding. How's these healthy cats? They must absolutely stink. He <laughs> kind of looked like uh, the Capitol building after Trump's had his way with it, really, didn't it? It, <laughs> it did. Of, uh, it looked that like what it would look like, whatever day it is. On. In nine days' time, yeah. uh, Biden will go in there. As Arnold Schwarzenegger called it, the insurgents. After the insurgents. <laughs> so, like, uh, yeah, it, it did look a bit like that. And it's uh, and then it, it, they convince him, don't they? they, they want, they're trying to convince him to go... Um, go and show the young people what he looks like so they can actually see another world um is it i'm trying to think when does his friend appear francis in the big fight to the day it's almost like can, a star trek i know we, i know we briefly mentioned this yeah. at the start of the podcast yeah. but can, yeah. can i just say that for yeah. me this part of the film <clears throat> i i thought it's not a problem peter's not being in the film and playing the character and even playing it in a slightly eccentric way um as he does but i i just felt that the the director gave him a bit too kind of imp- improvisational rope. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, and there's, there's it's too much of him being kind of, you know, kooky. And uh, we, 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 you know, the audience understands that he's been living with cats and, you know, he's, 
he's probably a bit unused to interacting with humans, but the, he gets a lot of screen time for and and for all the kind of good it does the plot. Um, it, I think this is really what kind of slows and drags things down here. And I, I understand that the director Michael Armstrong and um, Peter Ustinov were friends, and they they'd done other films mm-hmm. together. Maybe this is why we get a bit of an excess of Peter Ustinov. Um, and he's you know he's, he's he's a good actor, but I think in this he's just given a bit too much kind of free reign. Yeah, and he kind yeah. of distract, detracts from the film. You almost forget you're watching Logan's run during these sequences, and it's only when yeah. You know, Richard Jordan, the Richard Jordan character comes back in um, after yeah. twenty minutes or so uh, on their trail that you kind of think, "Oh yeah." Um, but Rob, I'll let you. Yeah. I'll let you continue because you can talk about that. Yeah, I was just going to say the whole scene. I'm glad you brought that up, Patrick, because the whole scene reminds me of like Alpha Two, uh, <laughs> and that you're going to you're going to think where we're going with Alpha Two. Well, Dudley Moore, I, I love Dudley Moore, but when Dudley Moore plays drunk, it's okay for a short while, and then it becomes really laboured. And it's a bit like Peter Ustinov being allowed to play 20 minutes of this doddery old man. <laughs> was exactly like Alpha 2. Alpha 2 makes all mistakes it shouldn't have made. It allows, it allows Dudley Moore to completely do what he wants for about 20 odd minutes. Well, for most of the film, actually. Um, and that's what it was like. And, uh, and it, like, when, when, his char- when the other character, Francis, comes back in, um, you know, it's sad that um, Richard Jordan, who plays him, is no longer with us. Because he's really good, isn't he? He's a really charismatic he's a actor. actor. He, he would always turn yeah. up in like these good seventies films in like yeah. support roles, and you, he's got a very kind yeah. of he's got a kind of face you recognise straight off the bat. You're like, yeah, I've seen him in other stuff. And he's always stuff. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. westerns for sure. A couple of with a couple with Bronson. I think he was in like uh, mm. Chato's Land, which is a western. That's really really good too. Yeah, he's yeah, it's, yeah. It's really sad because um, I, I read him. Um, you know, he died, he died quite. You know, it's quite unexpected, quite sudden, and. He was he had a he had a big film role in the, uh, in the can actually he had to give up on um, so he would have had even more of a legacy so he could have actually carried the film as Logan himself couldn't he he's, he's good yeah. enough and he's got I enough think uh, I think there. Richard Jordan actually replaced someone who they'd um, originally cast I can't remember who it was now um, so I, I think he was kind of like their their second choice but I mean he's he's definitely he's really good for the role he's kind of young enough mm. you know he's very yeah. agile he's you know he's got a good Good kind of range of expressions. Um, who was it now? Oh, it was uh, Will- William Devane. Oh, William yeah, Devane yeah, was originally yeah. cast, and I think he walked out. It was saying because he, the commentary track I listened to a little bit. I was saying that he, at, he at last minute he just felt that the role wasn't for him, and so he dropped out. And they, they later on, kind of quite late on, recruited uh, Richard Jordan. But yeah, I agree. He's uh, he's a great actor. He's really good in the role. The final fight reminds me as well. It's almost like, you know, when Kirk comes out those big fights in Star Trek, I almost wanted that. He's like that. I hadn't thought about it. You're right. Because and I think the one thing that makes makes it makes you think of that is, you know, they've still got that slightly old Hollywood thing of the, um, of like, you know, the dead obvious stuntmen stepping in for the fight scenes. Yeah, and yeah. you know you get a, a occasional like close up or reaction shot, but when the action pans out, it's like a guy with a wig, like Michael York's stunt double. I've written a note here. Michael York's stunt double looks a little bit like Boris Johnson. I'm really sorry to have to mention his name <laughs> on one of our podcasts, but if you look carefully, you know he's got a big kind of blonde wig on. And, um, yeah, well, to be fair, to be fair, Boris is old enough to have played Michael York's stunt double. So perhaps, possibly this is like this could be the expose that brings him down. Have you ever seen Have you ever seen Boris Johnson and uh, Michael York stunt double together in the yeah. same place? I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty positive. 
<laughs> but I, lo- I do love that fight scene. It's we've been waiting for it, haven't we? Because they've been teasing yeah. it. Um, There's a nice little a, bit at the end, isn't there, where he, um, you know, Francis rocks up. They have a big fight, or the stuntmen have a big fight, and eventually Logan Logan manages to kind of get the better of him and kill him, kind of you yeah. know, regrettably. And um, mm-hmm. just before he passes, he says he, he turns to Francis, turns to Logan, and says, "Oh, you you renewed." So he's, you oh, know, he's, no, he's, yeah. he still yeah, kind of believes. Yeah. He still kind of believes the yeah. the the rhetoric of the you know the the world in the city. The religion, yeah, yeah. Even though he's, even though he's seen, he's, 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 he's not broken his belief. Even though he's seen the evidence with his own eyes, you know, I I like that because it kind of shows how, how far gone he is. Because having seen the evidence with his own eyes, he's like, no, he does not accept it. No, it's, he's not going to. Is he's too, he's too far gone at the even at the beginning. I like that. It's a nice little touch, actually. That like that bit. Hmm. And then, and then all the young people. Emerge. It's almost like the Coca-Cola advert at this point. Hands across, <laughs> yeah. the, hands across America. All the young, beautiful people emerging their pastel colours, and they all, they all rush to um, stroke um, uh, the old man's face, Peter Eustace's face. So, uh, so they do, but you've you've missed out a bit here because they. Oh, um, missed, oh yeah, the inquest. They, they, yeah, they need got... to um, try and interrupt the carousel, don't they? The next carousel. Oh, that's true, um, yeah. So Jessica and, um, yeah. Jessica and Logan go for kind of a dive and a swim. And I thought this bit, you know, we're talking about they took a bit of 2001 and they took a bit of Planet of the Apes. This mm, bit yeah. immediately made me think of, oh, Poseidon Adventure, you know, from, you know, because it's like a bit of an underwater swimming sequence oh, where they yeah. get from one room to another. And I thought, oh, they've gone for another big hit from the 70s here and try to incorporate some of that. Um, but for no apparent reason, Shelley Winters is just there. <laughs> Shelley Winters is there waiting for them. Um, yeah, and so they emerge. They try to stop the carousel, don't they? And of course, they're shouting at people, saying, "Listen, you've got to stop." We've seen. Look at our hands. Look at. The- I did love the fact that everybody just laughed, looked up at them, and just laughed. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. You no, know, I, was expecting I, I like. Like, I like that as well. It's, yeah. it's, it's you're like, oh goodness me, yes, that's how they would react because in other films, yeah. someone would say, "No, listen to them. Listen to what they've got to say." <laughs> This and, is like the know. B movies, isn't it? It's like the invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah. That horrible the the, the great yeah. sequence at the end of Body Snatchers when he's screaming in like white eyes and he's screaming like uh, you know, um that they're everywhere, you know, everywhere, you know, they're here and like yes. uh, and it's that it's the person who knows the truth. It's like that's this has been used in films for years, and it's like in Jaws and he, he's the only person who's aware of like what the danger on the beach yeah. and it's like and, and you're seen as the bad man. And so after this sequence, because no one listens to them, they're kind of making a commotion. Um, you know, Logan and Jessica are both arrested, and Logan's taken for an, another interrogation, similar to at the start of the film. And al- yeah. although I have seen the film before, watching it this time, I thought, hmm, I wonder if they ever thought we could send the end of this film really dark at this point. Because at the start of the interrogation, oh. it's pretty, it looks pretty grim. And, um, you know, they're kind of yeah. not accepting his answers. I thought that was a really cool idea that it was it was kind of interrogating his mind. He wasn't speaking, but it was oh, yeah. it was this 3D hologram of his brain. Kind of, yeah, the hologram effect you mentioned before was very effective, yeah. It's also, if you go back to how he looks as an actor, he's got too much of a symmetrical face, hasn't he? So it kind of adds to the creepiness of it. He's a very, you know, he's very aesthetically pleasing. That's why he was cast in the role. But he has that kind of like very, you know, like uh, almost like alien face in that sense. And that, that that hologram works so well. 
Um, imagine yeah. the twist on the film, though, if he'd actually had his, his, his mind revolts back to how he was. And he walks up coldly to um, Jessica Six and shoots or something. I mean, oh, that... what about if he'd, you know, he's coming up to carousel time? He kind of willingly dons the garb for carousel and steps out onto the wow onto yeah, the that... platform. How would that be? Because this is no, where I thought the film could have gone really dark. Yeah, and I wonder yeah. if that. I just wonder. I've never read. I've not read anything to suggest this, but I just thought, well, I wonder if it was ever considered to give it a bit of a darker ending than it has. What do you think was the reason why the computer exploded? Was it a it could not compute? It was like a could not compute situation, or was it a situation where it realised that the whole thing was a lie itself? It just decided to destruct the city. Or... I think it was a bit like there's an episode of The Prisoner where there's this supercomputer, and um, the prisoner kind of makes it eventually blow up by asking it a simple question: why. And I thought, how about war games? Yeah. War games when they make war games. War games. Yeah, war exactly. games. They make the computer play tic tac toe, don't they? And if you make uh, a computer, it, um, you know, uh, try and answer a question that it's not equipped to answer, then of course yeah. it's going to be going to meltdown. This is the problem they have with Michael York's memory because they can't, they can't. You know, they're asking to, they want to know where Sanctuary is, and of course he hasn't found it. He's, you know, he's, yet, but he has been out to yeah. the outside world. So it's just it get caught. It gets caught in a loop and it overheats and explodes. Yes. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's say yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it really would be um, an ending you would talk about for years and years, wouldn't it? If they had have done that, if he'd have gone into Carousel willingly after all this fight and flight, um, you would. It, it'd be like you know, it'd be like some of the great endings, wouldn't it? Richard like, Jordan like, would have brought him back in, perhaps, yeah. to, just for him to be renewed. <laughs> It like was ever considered, and I don't know if this is part of the original uh, mm. kind of book storyline either, because I think there are other Logan books apart from Logan's yeah. run. It actually, um, this is a spoiler alert for the book. So, uh, but the end, <laughs> the end of the book, they end up flying to Mars with <laughs> the uh, character of Francis, because he's a totally different character. Where he, oh, okay. he's like, he's, he's wearing a disguise, and he, he ends up being like somebody who's on on the side of uh, Logan right. at the end there. So, yeah, they, they end up getting a rocket to Mars. I uh, did, so I did read it. You know, they tried to make it a bit more of a feature of it. You know, like in the time with merchandising and things. Uh, so there was like a comic book series which they tried to launch. Obviously, the year after they launched a TV series which got axed after one year. Um, yeah. and it, there was a real push to make it something. And I suppose when, when a film like Star Wars comes out the following year and blows everything out of the water, especially with merchandising, um, maybe the boat had already sailed or maybe there just wasn't that enough to build, you know, to, for kids to play in the bedrooms with little Logans or... I heard that the original writers signed away any rights to the merchandising or, or kind of future yeah. profits. Did they just take a straight hundred grand? I believe I heard. No, I didn't know. Carl, you're the numbers guys. I don't. I don't know about that. Actually. I hadn't heard about that one. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm guessing there is Logan. There probably was Logan's run merch for a, a year or so, especially with the TV show coming after it. The, the TV show started well. Uh, I, I read, um, but then. I think the TV company that were promoting it would kind of um, overly preempt what was happening on the episodes. This is mm-hmm. something I read. Uh, and so people w- would kind of watch the preview <laughs> and then not watch the episode, you know. And so uh, pretty quickly um, the ratings fell on that one. But from what I could see of the TV show, I haven't seen it. Um, 
it's one of those situations like, you know, there's a Blue Thunder TV show, maybe um, a couple of others as well. I can't remember, but it uses lots of special effects footage, you know, directly from the film. And so um, many of the plots would have been very similar to things that happen in the film uh, is, is my, my guess. Or they'd have had to have worked plots around the footage that they had, you know, like the footage of like the, you know, the, um, like the, train shuttle thing and oh yeah yeah um, they'd have had to have worked kind of plots around what they had in terms of stock footage and that would have only have lasted a certain amount of time yeah. but i believe there was two sequels two book sequels and i think there was a comic book yeah um as well like a black and white comic book not a graphic novel yeah. novel of the series what it doesn't have going for it i mean they they kind of in their mind, they kind of tie it up. Um, I mean, obviously, we're still left with a world very in flux and in balance, aren't they? You would still have a rebellion unit. You wouldn't wouldn't want to be on their foot, wouldn't you? You'd still have people who want to be on the ground. Hmm. You'd still you wouldn't have as willingly people just accepting this new life. This new life where it's savage. There's no there's yeah. no there's no society or infrastructure in places that you've got. They're going to get eaten alive, aren't yeah. they? There's going to be cougars and bears that are going to absolutely obliterate that society. They're, they're not going to get eaten alive by box anymore. But they there are <laughs> other creatures out there who who do the job. For them. Yes, I think a lot of people will return us back on the ground. But is he going to also is is uh, Logan going to tell them that what you've been eating is humans? Is he going to let them know that? Oh, is he going to let them? You know, is he going to, he's going to say, you know, it's you know that little people, <laughs> that protein shake. <laughs> you know that little that drink you enjoying? Yeah, that used to be Uncle Bob. You know, just, I don't, I'm not. Or did he say, <laughs> keep drinking it? Just keep drinking it, and then I, I'll have some water, or I'll have something else. <laughs> <laughs> he just lets people live on humans. So. <laughs> he just laughs every time he sees some of the protein, uh, protein drink. <laughs> There is, I mean, it's. I suppose it's not meant for that. Is it? It's not going to answer all those questions. But I suppose when the film is as ambitious as this film is, it's it's not going to tie everything up. There's a lot. It's a bit like when you, yeah, yeah, when it's a bit like sitting through Game of Thrones and or sitting through any of these long TV series, and you think they're going to wrap everything up in the last episode. It's impossible to do it. And if they try and do it, they fail. So at least this film leaves things open. Because... It's a bit of fun, isn't it? It's a bit yeah. of campy, slightly hokey kind of campy sci-fi. Yeah. And, you know, it harks back to a sci-fi that I kind of quite enjoy, the pre-Star Wars sci-fi, where it's, it doesn't have to be on a spaceship. It's a kind of future imagining of, of the Earth. Yeah. yeah. I think this is very much, if we're talking about Star Wars before, I think if you look at Star Wars, that's kind of still, although it's only the year after this, I still think of that as kind of new Hollywood, um, you know, the beginning of kind of a new kind of naturalistic style. Whereas I think Logan's Run is kind of like the, probably the last hurrah of like the the old yeah. style studio, you know, huge mega production. Um, and you know, it's, it's no worse for it, but I think it's just an interesting contrast between, like you said, Logan's Run popular enough in '76, but by the time Star Wars, you know, had come along, it it would have seemed like Perhaps old hat, maybe. It also yeah. takes, like going back to naturalism, it takes itself so seriously that it doesn't have that, you know, that knockabout nature about it, does it? There is very, it's it's enjoyable, but it's not really, um, you know, nobody's in on the joke, is there? And uh, and it, Star Wars has that moment, you know, they laugh at this, they, you know, the look of some of the aliens and the Jawas and 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 the androids and the, you know C three PO. There's all that. There's that humour, isn't there? There's that level of humour. There's no. It's humorless in that sense. There is funny moments, but the, a lot of the fun in it is because of the 
maybe the failings of the special effects or maybe the uh you know some of the dialogue there's some of the dialogue in it is not great in it no uh, michael york carries it off because he's a good actor and he's got a very um, fantastic he's voice he's got a brilliant voice as he as Rogel in this there's not really a weak link yeah. apart from farrah fawcett who i felt a bit sorry for because there's one scene where she's almost about to kind of um dob in um logan and jessica <laughs> and then i'm not sure yeah. why she kind of changes her mind and i'm there's some dialogue there where she's kind of really, really looks uh, like totally out of her depth. Um, yeah. But I, I did feel sorry for her because I thought the dialogue was was pretty poor in that sequence. It was it really was. unclear. She, she gets bumped off, doesn't she? Like, she does. She gets bumped off pretty brutally with that explosion. Her hair just is deserves a credit all of its own. It, it, it should have got, I hope it got 50% of the salary. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Charlie. <laughs> I know every time I see it, I just think Charlie's angel, of course. Okay, so um, we're heading to the point of the morgue of uh, Helicopter to Freedom. So before we do that, we'll pass over to our numbers man, Carl. He will let you know how the film did back in the day. So, Carlos. So I think this film probably did pretty well. We talked before about um, how the the film led to um, a TV series about a year later. There were comics. There's lots of kind of promotional tie-ins, uh, books, um, and, and all kinds of things like that. The film was made for um, $9 million back in 1976 and um uh in the u.s i wasn't able to find a worldwide figure um but in the u.s it made 25 million dollars so i'm guessing if you maybe double that for a kind of worldwide take um yeah they had quite a bit of quite a success on their hands i think with logan's run um so yeah not too bad at all uh 60 million dollar profit in the u.s yeah, that's uh, yeah. A little more, a little more worldwide. Yeah, and of course, um, you know, it's it's probably a film that has been re-released multiple times on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray. I know of at least two different Blu-ray releases, for instance, and they must sell. You know, these all these must sell every time because it's one of those films that doesn't get lost. You know, in transition from one format to another, that some films do. It's it's always kind of reappearing. It's a regular. Um, and, and quite rightly so, I think. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's a it's a very enjoyable one. So yeah, there we go. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm glad it did well because it deserves yeah. to do well because it's still even though like, obviously you know technology and everything's moved on the CGI world, physical special effects and the old art forms are, are dying a death, aren't they? Yeah. And it's yeah. it's just nice to see. It's nice to see it. There are some cheesy moments, but I'm glad it did well. So what we'll do is now we'll go around the table as we usually do to discuss uh, if it's going into the mark or if it's Helicopter Freedom. Is it going into the carousel? Or... The carousel. <laughs> <laughs> if it's going into the carousel to be blasted. Running, or... away, running away with a half-naked <laughs> Jenny Agatha. Um... I'm well past yes, my sell-by yeah. <laughs> Sadly, I'm past my sell-by date of 30. So, I was going to um... say, guys, we, we didn't mention, <laughs> bloody hell, if we were in the world of, um, of Logan's Run, the city, we three would be long dead. Long dead, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Sadly, the, the stones on our hands would be like rotten, fetid cabbages, wouldn't they? So they'd be Do you think Box, Box would have frozen us and used us as food, wouldn't he? Yeah. The baker foil the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> there won't be much left, would there? So what's it going to be, boys? Does this one rot in the morgue? Or make it on the helicopter to freedom? So I'll start first because it's it's fairly obvious where I'm going to put it. Um, for the very fact 
alone did it introduce me to the wonderful Jenny Agata at a very good age when I first saw this. And um, I've actually liked her ever since, actually. She's one of those ones, actually. I remember from uh, American Werewolf in London. And again, she does similar acting performance in that. <laughs> and uh, many of her film roles, she, she seems to be an actress who enjoyed uh, or whether she was just requested or had no problem getting her kids off most of the time she did it. But I, I do love the film. I mean, as I say, it's three quarters of this film is really takes you on a good ride. And it's fun and the music's pulsating and uh, it, it loses a bit of traction, but I still, it's such a relief when you go back to something you've not seen for a while and it's still good. And I don't think it's always going to be good for the rest of my life now, which is great. So definitely get some helicopters for freedom. I snagged Jenny on the way and in a skimpy little uh, <laughs> pastel dress. <laughs> and I, I, I suggested that she's freezing, so she's cold. So obviously you take clothes off when you're cold. And uh, me and Jenny fly away on the helicopters to freedom. So, yeah, for me, it's 100%. It's, it's not the greatest for me, obviously, but it's definitely such good fun, and it deserves its freedom. It is not going into the carousel or the morgue. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's my take. So, so uh, Lee, what do you think? What's, uh... Yeah, similar. I think the, the, the key word here is fun, isn't it? I think it's camp. It's... Um... A little bit hokey. The some of the some of the acting and and uh, some of the effects uh, when you compare them to the Star Wars. But I didn't find myself looking at my watch or looking at the uh, the time gone until maybe Peter Ustinov turned up later <laughs> on. And it, it, certainly, we had a hell of a lot to talk about today, didn't we? It's got some important themes. I, I would love to see more dystopian sci-fi like this. You don't mm. really get these kind of films now. It's all 21-year-olds in the Hunger Games. And I think, Carl, you said on our uh, pre-chat about this film where they, w- they would probably try and stretch this film out to three films, wouldn't they, you know, and kind of really milk it. If it was Disney, if it was Disney, it would be nine yeah. films. There'd be a pre Yeah, exactly. And to, to, to pack it's a hell of a lot into the first half an hour of the film, yeah. bumps along at a nice pace, and there's the... The love shop scene certainly surprised me. There was a lot of, a lot of decisions in the film surprised <laughs> me. It keeps you on your toes, this film, doesn't it? But... Um, yeah, it's it's not going to go to the carousel. It's going to go past the, the the year 30. It's going to go into its 40s and its 50s yeah. and live eternally on the helicopter to freedom. I, I liked it. What about you, Carl? Um, yeah, similar. Um, this is a film that actually, I actually owned on Blu-ray before we kind of suggested it for a podcast. I've seen it a few times before. Um, yeah, it's a, a good, solid um, 70s science fiction. Exactly the kind of thing that I... Lap, you know, totally lap up. Really enjoy. Um, great Goldsmith score. Really clever, clever use of um, you know different uh, musical styles throughout the film. Um, the film's it does throughout kind of hint at some more controversial themes, which perhaps it might have explored had they not been um, you know tied to the PG or the PG thirteen rating in the in the US. Um, and the the carousel sequence is chilling uh you know it's one of, it's absolutely quite a, it's not it's not a troubling scene but it's it's kind of um it's it's a scene that really puts you in where the film is at early on you're like goodness me this is uh this is an unusual uh happening in this society i, I wonder how this is going to go um so i really enjoyed the um, those scenes and um, the actors are all really good in it uh, michael york i'm a big fan of his generally good uh like you said richard jordan good supporting cast um jenny agatha's really good in it um 
um, I think it had some influence. I was saying to um, Rob a little earlier on that you can see the influence of like the costume and set design in Logan's run in the um, 1979 TV series Book Rogers, uh, which clearly did not take its lead from uh, Star Wars, even though it was after that. But it's it, it, the look of Book Rogers is very, very Logan's run. So it's obviously had some kind of uh, some kind of impact there. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it all the way through. You know, it's kind of hokey. And um, it's exciting, and it's got interesting ideas. And it's another one of those science fictions that's, although it's not perfect all the way through, it's it's got enough interesting underlying ideas um, and things of note that you you just let it kind of rattle along quite happily. And although I wouldn't put it in any kind of, you know, 10, 10 best of science fiction lists, it's it's not it's not a million miles away. Um, I think the only place it really slows down the film is the, the I don't think it's necessarily Euston's fault. He's given a lot of rope uh, with which to um, kind of do his improvisation <laughs> to, to hang himself, uh, to do his improvisation. And I mean, he was, that's, that was one of the things he was well known for. Um, mm, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, he was a raconteur, wasn't he? He was a raconteur, like exactly. Yeah. He, he, you know, he, he made a lot of his career kind of just telling stories. So he can perhaps understand um, but I would have taken maybe 10 minutes of, uh, at least 10 minutes of use of out. Maybe had one of the extra yeah. scenes in that we lost, like um, the scene with the box, possibly with the ice sculptures. Or <laughs> there was a scene earlier on, actually, where, you know, we see the baby um, with the white crystal, newborn baby, like a white crystal. Yeah. Yeah. There's a scene earlier than that um, where uh, Michael York and Richard Jordan kill another runner. Um, and the, apparently the, the scene showed the deceased runner's crystal turning to black. And then that, mm. that scene was kind of then contrasted immediately with the white, what the white of the, of the baby, but they, they took that scene yeah. out too. So I wondered if, uh, perhaps they should have included something like that instead. Anyway, um, it's, it's a minor quibble for me. Um, and, um, yeah, there are some details that are pro- a, a bit obscure. Like I wasn't entirely sure if people thought that Carousel meant that they could really be reborn or if they just accepted that mm. Carousel yeah. needed to happen yeah. so that, you know, they, yeah. they wouldn't overpopulate. Um, so that was a bit unclear and a couple of other things. But, I mean, other than that, totally enjoyable. Um, and, again, it's a two-hour film and it, it just kind of – it just uh, rattles along really nicely. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. So, for me, Logan's run – does not go to the morgue, no way. And um, I think I'm going to go and allow it to explore and wander the earth, uh, full of <laughs> full of uh, white houses, full of cats and old men. All these cats, yeah. With <laughs> with perhaps with Jenny Agatha tagging along for the ride. Why not? Oh yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> So that's that's three wins then. That's three uh, yeah. So I, I mean, when I chose the film, I thought that may happen, because, and I'm sure the feedback we'll get when we release this will be how loved this film is. I put um, I put the picture up and let people know on Instagram, and instantly people were saying we're already chipping in with comments. So it's 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 very fondly remembered, and it's one of those. If you live in England, uh, they do show it. Every now and again, every couple of years, don't they? It's a, it's a perfect Sunday afternoon uh, sci-fi, actually. Yeah, um, if you can get away with all the nudity, of course. Yeah, it's odd, it's odd this film. I, I think they got away 
Um, like I said before, in the UK, it was PG for so many years. I think they, they just about managed to get away with just enough. Because if you watch every kind of individual scene, it's really brief. The news is really, really brief. And there's kind of a justification for it. As someone said, one of you said earlier, um, you know, like, oh, they need to get out of their clothes because they're wet. Yeah. yeah. And or yeah. they, you know, yeah. uh, what was the other one? Um, it was but brief flashes, wasn't it? And it was some somewhat obscured by paint. Yeah, yeah. I think it's only in recent years they've be, the censors have obviously thought, oh well, perhaps it's a bit more kind of adult in nature, so we'll upgrade it to a twelve. But um, yes, um, it's harsher times as well. I suppose I suppose kids of the seventies could handle it more. If you showed this to a kid of two thousand and twenty, like uh, <clears throat> Jenny Akita's pert boobs, so maybe you just freak out. So. <laughs> Personally, when I saw it as a kid, I, I was all for it. You know, like I applauded it. So. <laughs> well, I mean, Rob, you said your first experience of um, Jen Agatha was in this film. I, the first thing I saw him was um, American Wilfred London, and uh, yeah, for, for the same reasons uh, in that film, she, uh, yeah, she's uh, left quite uh, quite an impression. And um, it's, yeah. it's a shame because if you if you lived in England now, you'd you'd know for a series she does called. Call the midwife, where she plays a nun, <laughs> um, and it's it's a bit not much nudity in that. No, is there? no, it's it, it's kind of like, but you know, you still see. They, they did ask her. They did ask her. Um, she yeah, she <laughs> you declined. Still, you still, this you time, still see a twin. There's a twinkle in those eyes. You know, she's dying, <laughs> she's dying to put on those little flimsies again. If anyone's interested, by the way, just to wrap up, if anyone's interested, you can buy Sandman costumes. And if you've got lots of money, I found on the internet for I think it's like three hundred and thirty pounds, which is probably about nearly four hundred dollars. You can buy an actual costume designer to make you uh, the Jenny Six dress, Jessica Six dress, sorry, uh, which is pretty. You know, that's pretty dedication to cosplay, uh, a very obscure cosplay as well. So uh, I think <laughs> I don't know how many people dress up as a, a Sandman at costume parties, <laughs> <laughs> and how long it would take someone to recognise what I was dressed as. But uh, yeah, so costumes are out there. There is a world for this film. Go for it! Fantastic. So, um, w- that's the end of episode eleven. Yeah. Eleven episodes in. So um, thank wow. you very much, everyone who's been listening. And uh, yeah, we're still we're still enjoying it, as you can tell. And uh, uh, and it's it's great mm. to hear from people and. Um, and, and all the other podcast community as well. So that, you know, that if if you're interested in coming into this world, there's a lot of really decent people putting out some pretty nice stuff. Obviously, mm. you know, obviously the, the response would be as good as the Manchester Movie Mob, but oh, of the, course, they try. You know, they're blatant. They're trying their best. <laughs> they're trying really hard. It only took us ten episodes to get the uh, sound sorted out, Rob. Yeah, <laughs> how have but, we got it sorted out? Well, we'll leave that to our, our listeners to yeah. so, let us know. Let us know. So, yeah. so Lee's, uh, Lee's choice next week. Yes, I'll let Lee introduce what we're doing. So the next film is going to be The Wraith, which is a 1986 film starring a very young uh, Charlie Sheen. Uh, also, my last choice included uh, Randy Quaid. He's also in this film, so I'm getting a bit typecast with my film choices. Um, now, the reason why I've chosen this film is not that I have m- any memories of it, but the only memory I have is I had a poster of it on the wall when I was about nine, ten years old. Uh, and cool. this was an 18 film, so I must I must have watched it at the time. I, I saw the trailer. It's got cool cars. It's got explosions. It's got young Charlie Sheen. Yeah, it's. I'm sure it's going to keep us entertained. It may be a bad film. It may be a good film, but it, it yeah. should be there should be plenty to talk about so we're going to go for that 
That's good. Yeah, and uh, the office still out there. Obviously, if people really um, have an opinion of like something they'd really love us to talk about, just just let us know on one of the uh, Instagram or Twitter. Yeah, uh, definitely. And we'll have a we'll have a think about it. At the moment, we're just doing a round robin, just going around and choosing films that we're interested in. But um, which seems to be working because people are obviously some people are listening to this. So, um, but yeah. That's where we're at. So if you do want a film, you're desperate to hear us talk about it, put it out there. Okay, so we're, we're going to say goodnight. So goodbye. we're saying goodnight for us in England. Uh, we're recording this now at half 11 at night. So uh, <laughs> good, good night before we all turn into pumpkins and end up in the morgue. So uh, stay safe out there, everyone, and uh, thanks yeah. for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.